Hello, friends. It's Ariel Hawani of The Ringer MMA Show. I'm Chuck Mindenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll. And together, we are Three Pack. Follow and listen to The Ringer MMA feed exclusively on Spotify for all the latest the world of mixed martial arts and join us live on spotify green room after every big event see you then love yous this episode is brought to you by jiffy lube cars can be a big investment so it's important to take care of them i once got a car that i started out with twenty-five thousand miles on i got it to over two hundred thousand miles because i took care of it you know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Lisa Kwonga. I'm Ryan. I'm, Ryan, I'm, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that, that just caught, that caught me so off guard. So much cheerful for a nil-nil draw. Ugh. Listen, I'm a happy guy. Ugh. I'm a happy guy. Listen, You're not a true patriot. Ages. You're not a true uh, patriot. <laughs> you should be down in the dumps. <laughs> you should. <laughs> no, I'm a happy man. I'm a happy man. Yeah? Well, I mean, you, yeah. look, you look pretty chipper. I'm just happy to see you, Ryan. I did listen. <laughs> Pandering to the base. Almost 300 <laughs> episodes in. I'm, I got tired of this after episode 25. <laughs> Still getting strong. Actually, there was a period when I really enjoyed it. I think it was the first lockdown. I was like, oh, it's just nice oh. to have some communication with someone. <laughs> um, someone, anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we hope everyone else is staying safe and well. Moose and I are recording this not long after the USA and England's no-no draw. And um, we're going to have a special guest. Yes, yes. What a treat. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the rest of the World Cup game since we last spoke and some other bits and bobs. So let's get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, 
tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. So we're going to do something that we don't usually do on Stadio. World Cup happens once every four years. It's a ringer derby in the World Cup. Yeah. So we had to summon the demon in Gareth Southgate's hard drive. <laughs> yes. It's the man who should be coaching the US men's national team. It's Chris Ryan. And I'm proud to be an American because at least I know I'm free. <laughs> One of those in nights take. in Doha wow. that you will not soon forget, guys. Nil, nil. Just a typical soccer match here in America on Black Friday. Do you know what, you know what uh, I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the rewatchables episode about this game. Of that one? Yeah. I have a couple of, uh, of, of titles for this match. One is Tyler the Destroyer. I thought, you know. Yeah, we, I like that. I like that one. Tyler Adams was definitely my standout player. But, you know, let's, let's just talk about it, man. I mean, was, is, this a, is this an indictment of, t- of, of, of the England national team, though? Mm. I think it's better. It's rather an advancement of the U.S. national team than it is an indictment of, the, of, of England. I think it's subpar performance from England, but I think that if you saw what, England, what the US did against Iran in midfield in particular, they're so impressive. They were so impressive. Um, Eunice Moose from Tyler Adams in particular. West McKinney, I think, gets the headlines because he's more famous internationally. But those two players, in my opinion, Tyler Adams and Eunice Moose, have been outstanding in the two games. And Timothy Weyer, not far behind them. I mean, that quartet of players was exceptional. And Pulisic, What's incredible about this US team is really exciting is they don't rely on Pulisic. That I think is the great achievement of what Bahalta has done with this unit of players. And they stopped England doing what England wanted to do. And by the end, they kind of imposed their will, I would say. Oh yeah. On this game. Oh, I thought they were yeah. the better team for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Did you not, I th- Ryan? I thought the US I thought the USA were the better team overall, but this is the thing that yep. we've seen with England time time and time again, where mm. if things don't go their own way against a side that they probably expect to beat beforehand yeah then they kind of stop trying to figure out the problem yes and they keep just repeating the same thing over and over again and actually in tournament football we talked about this with the men's euros mm. a couple mm. of years ago no it was only 18 months ago yeah about how we were concerned that Southgate wasn't using at the time people like Sancho and then mm. actually when you step back from it afterwards you kind of realize that yeah you you, you can't blitz your way to like a tournament you usually mm. have to be quite quite conservative but I think the problem with this is that the conservatism wasn't really going to work it didn't really ever look like England were going to score apart from that one Harry Kane header that he probably actually should have scored yeah and changing it when you have or not changing it when you have all of these players on the bench like this was a game for example where I thought 20 minutes to go Foden and Trent Alexander-Arnold probably create things given what the problem is in front of you because they mm. face those kind of like setups. Yeah, especially if, if Shaq Moore is in front of them at a certain point. Mm. Exactly, but I think also <laughs> at the same time, I can kind of understand Southgate afterwards being like, yeah, it's fine. We can still, we're still going to go through. They're probably still going to go through the group. They're probably still going to qualify top. Mm. I mean, we don't know, but on paper you would expect England to beat Wales, although I, it wouldn't surprise me if Wales picked up a point just because it's that kind of fixture. Mm. But then I don't think the USA are necessarily absolutely nailed on to beat Iran. Me oh, God, no. Yeah. No. 
but from the American perspective, how was what's the vibe over there in like what's the ring of slack? What's the ring of slack say? <laughs> I'm on a couple of group texts that are ranging from I'm proud of these guys to second guessing Burl Halter for leaving Reyna on the bench for so long. I think that there was this idea that we had a skeleton key sitting out there on the bench that could come in and unlock the game. Mm. Uh, for the most part, it seemed like he made most of the right calls. You know, uh, uh, right coming in for Sergeant up top. I thought it gave mm. them a like a a nice speed burst. I thought uh, Pulisic had a great game. Uh, probably like one of the one of the better games I've seen him in a in a U.S. shirt in a while. And the big thing, the big takeaway was just like, I put that midfield up against the England midfield and the England midfield coming into the tournament, you would say is one of the best midfields in the world. Mm -hmm. So the fact mm -hmm. that Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney and, and Eunice Musa were, were, were basically going toe to toe with Bellingham and, and being able to play up against Declan Rice and Bellingham and, and have that kind of performance is probably the most encouraging thing that I've seen this U.S. team accomplished in a long time, aside from, you know, qualifying for the tournament, <laughs> but being mm. able to play against the Euro finalists and kind of and, and really hang with them was 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 really, really inspiring in a lot of ways. Mm. Their highest quality in terms of defense, midfield and attack is probably midfield. Like mm. Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney is like Man. a legit three. Yeah, yeah. I think Mason Mount. Because he was trying to get involved in stuff higher up, it just meant that the USA had the numbers in the middle. I thought Mount's also Mount's decision making and timing was a bit off as well. Yeah, I think actually his deployment was one thing, but the choices he made were unsatisfactory. Like there was that shot he had, for example, in the first half. It was the one effort he had, and even that was a bit too close to the keeper. And it was just like it was his radar was off the entire evening. And you saw it. And it was England was impressive. I think after the first twenty, well, after the first ten minutes, England started slowly really raised it and there was a period where they were in the ascendancy and it was weird it was almost like they sort of flicked a switch maybe it was Flo in the chat because Flo said in the chat they need to pick up the pace and the moment she said that they just went on a tear for about 10-15 minutes <laughs> and so maybe she maybe she incepted it but it was almost like the US figured that out mm. they figured that out they added some intensity in the right areas um, Kieran Trippier didn't really help things because I think his he was more predictable in his build-up play than maybe a different right-back might have been. He presented the same kind of problem. Now and again, he was crossing from fairly close in. And when you do that, it's something like Trent. Trent crosses from deep, so the trap is not set yet. Yeah. Whereas when Trippier crosses from like quite close in, the defenders already know what the meal is going to be served, right? It's like that's, porridge. That's, that's it's like por porridge every morning, whereas like <laughs> Trent mixes it up. Well, that's what I thought the problem was today was that it was when you see the same team sheet for very different opposition that pose mm. very different threats, yeah. I, I always feel a little bit like, hmm, not even one change. And I feel England did that today. I think that was, that was the main issue I, I had I thought Southgate. both teams were pretty conservative, you know, both in terms of yeah. tactics and subs. It, it did feel like, I wonder whether or not it's like one of those matches that you look back on, especially if both teams go through and you're like, it almost gets memory hold like we forget that this match happened which is weird you were asking about like what the the vibe was over here at least in in my house or at least on my group chats at least among my friends we were really excited for this because this is the day after thanksgiving most people have the day off today i think it was like pretty much smack in the middle of the day for everybody so i think that there was an anticipation that this was kind of be like, going to be like a, a playoff game for mm. for the for lack of a better term that there was this incredible amount of scrutiny and I'm sure that people who watched it 
the way that it was being broadcast over here was that this draw was a moral victory, you know, uh, that this draw mm. was like a, a victory in disguise and that. They won the argument. They didn't win the match, yeah. but they won the argument because go. they made, they made England go to their plan B. England's plan A was to win this. You saw that from the first, like, you know, the, from the bulk of the first half, England's plan was to come away and win this game, I think. And then at a certain point, it was like, no, we're not going to get this. Let's just shut up shop. You see, that's the only way I can interpret the, tra- the, um, the substitution, <laughs> the translation, the substitution of, of Henderson um, and Grealish. It was basically like, let's short the midfield and have the creativity higher up, but fundamentally actually do what we did in the Euros and not alter the base of that midfield. Yeah. You, know, you look at the Phillips, the Phillips-Rice axis and bringing in Henderson kind of preserved that. Bellingham didn't really deserve to come off in terms of his performance, but in terms of his solidity, Mount's base level as a defensive player, someone who will just press and give you, I mean, just an extra body. This is, the problem is actually, poor Mason Mount, it was almost like a kind of Marin Fellaini thing for Manchester United where it was like, if we're going conservative, you're better to be conservative with Mount than with Bellingham, at least in what Southgate's trying to do. I wondered also if Bellingham took a couple of shots because he, he hit the deck pretty hard a couple of times. And yeah. you know, yeah, if you're playing the that, long game that. and you think about how yeah. important he is. I was going to curious by asking you guys about the USMNT because my read on this game was that they're short one world-class player or maybe even one world-class finisher. Uh, mm. You know, even even when you look at somebody like Dest, who's just like a rocket ship going up and down the flanks, but doesn't maybe have the playmaking ability that would put him on the like the world class level, right? Like he mm. he like he can get by a bunch of guys. He plays decent defense, but but it's that service from the flanks that I think he would be that would just make him kind of like on a on another level. And I was curious whether or not watching them, you were you found yourself. Where would you sort of like say put like a Tyler Adams? Because Tyler thought he was the player of the match in a lot of ways. Like, would you, you know, currently at the Premier League level, but could you see him playing for a top six club in the next couple of years? Maybe I could. based on the small sample size yeah. theater yeah, of yeah, watching absolutely. this match. Yeah. I could for sure. For yeah. sure. I think he'd be brilliant at top six club. Yeah, I think he'd be outstanding. Like, and if you look how players make the step up, like Estupanan, like over at Ecuador for mm. Brighton and like, Players like that can make a massive leap. I think he's got all the ability. There was an amazing moment. I saw he made a challenge in the second half and then he was screaming. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Then when he, I, I was think like, he I was like, stopped soccer. Yes. Yeah. And he got up and was just like, let's. He was, it was like, man. And it was like, it wasn't like, yeah, I tackled him. It was like, for God's sake, why did I have to make that tackle? And mm-hmm. I'm like, Whoa. Yeah, he was covering for Robinson and he was like, where were you? And like, because Robinson was dead <laughs> sprinting to get back down the other end of the pitch and, and Tyler filled in that whole that fullback position was great. When I saw that his teammates had chosen him to be the captain, I was blown away when I saw that. Because this reminded me a bit of, um, I know that he's a louder type of leader, but you know when Philip Lahm got picked over Balak, like, it feels like that transition, like when Balak was like the star player, his name was in lights, but actually the team were like, no, but Lahm's the leader. And it felt like that changing. And actually, weirdly enough, the captaincy not being on Pulisic has liberated him maybe to be a bit more chaotic, to be a bit more free. The one thing I would say with Gio Reyna is, I just don't know, how do I say this? He has to sub in for Pulisic. If you have those two up front, you don't have a focal point. Yeah. Unless you want to play super fluid, which actually the US is smart enough to do tactically in certain games, and you get rid of a right. Unless you go super fluid, I think at this point of his career, I don't think you swap Reyna in 
for the center forward. Let's, that makes sense. Let's just get all Spalletti Roma out there, man. Let's get no, I would, weird. No, I, would, I would love it. I would love it. I would love it. But I don't know if Bahalta has the, I don't think he's got the leverage to do that yet. I don't think he has the leverage. It's basically small ball, right? Yeah. The problem with playing small ball is the second he plays small ball, the US will torture him. The US public will torture him for doing it. They don't really want it. They don't want it. I mean, it's also- They say they do, but they don't. It's, I was wondering whether or not you, you guys felt like, um, is there group stage football and, and knockout football too? Like, the, oh, def- oh my God, definitely. We're going through this right now with the NBA where there's a bunch of teams that are playing five out and, and just yeah. like shooting the lights out and like your Utahs or whoever. And you're like, oh, this is going to work in the regular season. But when everything gets tight, yeah, you need yeah. to do this. For the US, I think that they, you know, they came out really, really like a house on fire in the first half of the mm. first match against Wales. And then they played more consistently well throughout 90 against yep. England. But I need to, we're going to need to see something creative from this team pretty soon to, if, if they want to go beyond the, the, the first knockout round. Mm. They managed the pace of their own game a lot better in this. And they knew when to like really kind of put the foot on the gas. There was that period of maybe 10, 12 minutes where they just kept having corners. And it really felt like Oh yeah, it really felt like that moment in the um, <clears throat> excuse me in the Wales Iran game earlier when Iran just all of a sudden just seemed to just be in the Welsh box basically for like fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was corner after corner after corner, and it and it kind of that was the only period where it felt like England were hanging on a little bit. And I think I think I think they dealt with all the corners okay, but in terms of like territory, it really felt like. It, that if it, Brian, if, they, if, they turned Harry Kane into a right back. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, hey, listen, you know my Jesus. thoughts on right backs. We don't have yeah. enough in the squad. We need more. Right. Never, too much, never too much. Never, never too, too many much. right backs. But uh, <laughs> I think that was the difference. I think if, if for example, if, if the USA has a Harry Kane there or a real elite threat from the air in a, in a centre-back position, they're probably one nil up, actually. Even a McBride, to be honest. Mm, yeah. Even a McBride, like oh. there was that one corner that um, he swung in that um, yeah. like Pickford didn't come for. And I thought, whoa, like yeah. when the US get their Mitrovic, basically, it's effectively that kind of player, they're, they're yeah. locked in. And I, and I think going, like looking ahead to the Iran game for the USA, I think that this will be their issue in that Iran's intensity, they can, you, you saw against Wales, like they can really, really go for it. And I Iran think cooked. It's, it looks weird that England-Iran result now because... I think mm. Iran are a much better side than they looked against England. We saw it against Wales, and I think they'll pose the US a very different threat to what England will. Because, like, for example, Iran won't build up at the back for ages to the point where their own fans were booing them because they were bored, like the England <laughs> fans were today. I was just like, what is this? Like, it's the second for, game, guys. Harry, Harry Maguire and John Stones just being like, just play, play for the pass completion. Our pass completion is going to be amazing. And it's just like, yeah, but this is actually, we need to actually go forward. Yeah, and then, I was uh, wondering Southgate if there was afterwards. some like, c- contractual bonuses attached to how Yeah, many- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Southgate said he thought that Maguire and Stones were amazing at progressing the ball or something like that. And I think that's a little bit overstated, but I think being tied with Maguire the ball played is fine. For, I thought Maguire, Maguire played for it. I thought he was one yeah, of I the did. best players. I did. I thought, it was, I thought it was good. But I think, for example, Iran aren't going to do that. They're going to let the USA have the ball and they're going to be like, as soon as you step too far, we're going to absolutely torture you on the break. Yeah. Mm. And I'm intrigued to see what the USA do with that because I think, I think England, and I'm not taking anything away from the USA, I think it was, there's like a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B going on. I think England did some things that made it a little bit easier for the USA to really get momentum in this game. One mm. of which was just not really pressing at all. 
like they did in the first game. No. We know that Matt Turner is not amazing with the ball at his feet let's, under let's, pressure. Let's take it's a quick been... second there and just, you need to emphasize that. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Turner <laughs> was going to give me an aneurysm tonight. There was a, <laughs> first of all, the Ederson dreams that he has of like bringing it out from the back. I was just like, hold on. Somebody's got to throw the handbrake on this dude. <laughs> and then he had a couple of real shank punts that just like went up in the air like 30 yards and then just kind of turned into England turnovers. Yeah. But that's been a real big thing about his signing for Arsenal and obviously Arsenal letting Bernd Leno go. Yeah. He was pretty was okay at the with the ball at his feet. But it's been something that he even he has admitted himself. He's like, you know, I'm trying to work on it. Not highlighting that as a point to like really, really press because I think the USA's back line or back five maybe mm. is probably I don't want to say I don't let's say least consistent part of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Fair? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think Zimmerman's out the there wait, waiting to get. Yeah, he's waiting to get put on the summer jam screen for sure. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> so England's failure to kind of like press high up, I think, allowed the USA to really can like get momentum on the ball and then apply some territorial advantage over this over the England. And it, the USA were like, oh, if we if it stays like this, we can win the last game and go through. And England were like, if it stays like this, it's, we'll it's actually top. fine. We'll go through top stuff. Right. So it just felt but a England can serve like- an energy because conditions. Here's my one question about the conditions, right? So they're the variable because the Euros in the summer, you talk about the heat that England played in and like, you know, Southgate likes using the same kind of like core starting players. Is there an issue where the conditions they're playing and don't make that the wisest strategy over time? Like there's an exhaustion issue or tiredness. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a tiredness you, issue. But then you ask why why Kane played 90, right? On a, on a bad ankle. Like I, that, that he, he almost has a little bit of uh when Kane, Kane's like persistence through injury sometimes reminds me of the way that the Sixers use Joel Embiid where there's oh always an injury update with Joel Embiid, but yet he still plays 37 minutes a game. <laughs> and you're just like, what? like, we could just sit him for a week. It's fine. You know what I mean? And, Load management. And if, if England was going to play like this, I almost think it would have been better for them to sit Kane. You know, if this was going to yeah. be like, let's just get, let's get out of here with a point. Let's let Rashford start. Like, come on. Well, like even Wilson, like get, get someone yeah, busy Wilson. up there who's going to really like take, not take their opportunity, but because this sounds like, I mean, throwing someone into a, just a World Cup game from the start is a big, big, big shout. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, it's, and it's also really easy to say that with hindsight. Like, for example, if Harry Kane puts that header away, which I think we've seen him do loads of times. Yes. Yeah. Mm. We're talking about a 1-0 England win that wasn't great, but they got the job done. And now what next with the US? And it's just, it's so, it's so tricky stuff at like this because it, it, this middle group game in the tournament can be so pivotal. And I kind of get the fear. I think it's really easy for us to just be like, put them all on, put them all on, create all the chances. Like, you know, let's just go, let's go, let's go. Like all out attack. But I think for Southgate, it's just not really his nature which is probably no. why he doesn't do a podcast. You know? <laughs> That's true. He's an actual international <laughs> football manager. So, Garrett Southgate know, not spending his nights watching Andor <laughs> podcasting about <laughs> it. How disappointing. Any final thoughts on this? Do we, we, do we cover everything? Uh, I have to admit, it seemed like going coming out of this in retrospect, this maybe mattered more to the US and maybe even to the US football community more than 
England and more than the England football fans and everything. I mean, I was what's happening with a few friends in England and they were like, oh yeah, that's happening today. Right. You know, and whereas mm. like, I feel like this had been built up for a couple of weeks in the States. Mm. So it was kind of a little bit of a level set. I think, um, that was, that was a really exciting performance from the U S. So I think that ultimately I go out of there and I, I, I suppose I, I, I take a little bit of that moral victory, you know, and I'll, I'll pocket mm. that, that, that was, that was a, a nice way to spend the Friday. And, you know, I don't think, I, I don't think that necessarily it changes what I feel are, is the ceiling for this U S team, but it was certainly like a performance worth remembering. For the direction of travel, I think it's great for the U S. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think for the, yeah, it's really impressive. And if you sense, look at obviously. this as like a longer term project of being, getting to a certain level for, for the next cup, which is going to be in mm. the States, then you yeah. know, th- these yeah. are the kinds of stepping stone matches you got to get. Kind of yeah, one of those sure. results that neither of them really wanted, but both of them would take because on the flip side of that, if England lose the US, it's just like... That's a pain no in the wants, ass. No, yeah. no one needs that. No one needs that. <laughs> sure, like, sure. And then yeah. they got to play Wales. <laughs> it's I just know, like... And they're probably going Wales. out and it's just a bit like... You know, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also then, you know, England don't hammer the US and it's, it's kind of all fine. You know, the US can say they hung with them. Jude who, all that kind of stuff. That's right. Oh my God, there's all that, all that, all that, all that banter is going to come in narrative. Well, I've (laughs) I've already got a couple of messages from Liverpool fans being like, should we just buy Tyler Adams instead of Bellingham? Well, I was going to say, if he's going to go to a top six club, that is an intriguing move for someone. It's a big leap, but I like it. Sure. Actually, I like it because if you look at the Henderson role and Henderson now is going to like make a transition is, you know, I think a player like Tyler Adams actually in that mix is a really exciting opportunity for him. That's, that's a, yeah. So when, when he said top six, it was the first yeah. one I thought of. I didn't want to say it till you did, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> uh, guys, I feel disappointed that I wasn't able to come on with more memeable, you know, like- Content. Oh my God, really? Your opening, your opening segment was a meme. Listen, yeah, you're a walking but I, meme. You know, this is what happens with a, a nil-nil and it's 76 degrees in Doha and the, the humidity's cranking. You know, it's just- we, we just Listen, didn't get a lot England, out of it. How, put it this way. England had a slower buildup than Andor. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Take that. Slap that on the poster. Yeah. I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite glad that this happened for a nil-nil draw. It's, it felt right. I've, yeah. It's, it's calm. There's no like- There's no Southgate we, we out. Were, yeah. No, no, no. Because we were talking earlier. We were like, actually, do we want to bring Chris on if we win? Because that just seems really mean. Like, Stadio never has guests. So the first guest that they ever bring on while being on the ringer is Chris Ryan after the USA has lost to England, was like, this just feels a little bit harsh. So I think nil-nil actually worked out perfect. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So should we, now are we going to do 45 minutes on Andor now? Oh, really? <laughs> oh my God, don't even, oh, don't, honestly, I'm, no spoilers, but anyone that has not, anyone that's not watched Andor, you're in for such a treat. Such a treat. I would say, for those who haven't watched it, just treat it like a novel that takes its time. Yeah. And then when you, really like, you know, you take, you really sit with it and then like, it all makes sense. It falls into place. And you're like, oh, thank goodness. They were so deliberate. And the closing scene again, not, no. no, no spoilers. The very closing scene of Andor will blow your mind. If you follow it closely, it will blow your mind. Best show of no, the spo- year. no spoilers, but more rewarding than England nil, USA nil. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Chris, thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Absolute pleasure. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress 
with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. What can follow the great Chris Ryan? Exactly. Ah, ah. What do we do? Ah, the headliner. Ah, oh, ah. Um, let's talk quickly about, I mean, we mentioned it briefly. Let's talk about Iran versus Wales. Yeah. Well, Wales-Iran. Wales-Iran. Um, I watched this in the Welsh Centre, which oh, wow. in London, which I'm not going to lie, it felt like a real privilege. Shame the result didn't go for them, but my God, Iran were good. Hey, they came with some intensity. Wow. So good. And, and like we mentioned before, I mean, they got two goals in stoppage time at the end of the game after having a goal ruled out early on in the first mm. half. But um, obviously Wayne Hennessy got sent off for the high knee, which was yeah, fair. I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah it was it absolutely. Was, yeah, yeah, I think it was fair. Um, when you're slow off your line, it's going to come for you. And, um, and a challenge like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun fact, in the Welsh Centre, before Hennessy had even got the red card, he'd been booked and the ref went over to... <laughs> to check it off the AR. Everyone started singing, Danny, Danny Ward. <laughs> they knew, they knew. Yeah. Yeah, this, it, was, it was very entertaining. It's the reddest red I've seen in a long time. Only the third keeper to be sent off in a World Cup, I think. Really? I think that was a stat that, um, that one of the commentators said. It's like not many uh, got the wow. red. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very few, very few. Um, I think the thing three. for Wales, I think, is, which is, there's a similar thing going on with like Wales and Portugal, and maybe we'll link to that in a little bit. But I think to not maybe take off Gareth Bale when I think the game probably could benefit from it from a Wales, Welsh point of view. Mm. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because yeah, the thing is, sure. when you, the psychological impact of having Bale there is huge. It like is, The yeah. penalty they won in the, game, in the last game. Like it's one of those ones where with Bale... You're always, it's not just the touches, it's the motivation, it's the leadership. We saw that in the last game. Mm. We saw in the last game. So there's a difficult thing and I have a lot of sympathy for everyone involved because it's, whether it's Paige, whether it's Bale, because the moment Bale goes, it's almost an admission that like, okay, it's a retreat because he's this talismanic thing. And it's, it's not like Portugal to the sense that Portugal have so many other tools. You know what I mean? They got, you could argue, take off like um, Ronaldo, you liberate the front line. I've always, I've always believed that with, with Portugal. Whereas with Bale, you take him off and you're genuinely, because the coverage that he draws as well. Yeah, maybe. I think, for, for example, like Wales in the second half specifically, mm. they were really wasteful with the ball mm. in, in, in chances where, actually, if you looked at where, how, uh, how the kind of like the field was spread, let's say. Yes, yes. There was either like a potential overload down one side or definitely players to, to just circulate possession. Mm. There'd be a rollout from the keeper, miscontrol, and then an attempted pass straight up to Kiefer Moore, which I think that's the problem when you start someone like Kiefer Moore. It's just that like the temptation to go straight to them at the no, earliest absolutely. opportunity is almost a li little bit too much. And I think that this is, yeah, it's, it's unlikely, but Wales can be England, Yeah, right? It's not impossible. If they are going to, actually, I think weirdly going more direct for them will benefit them more in that England game than it will do in, it would have done in the Iran game. Yeah, yeah. want to bypass that midfield, bypass it. 
well, they're around about the same. They're, they're, they're placed one above Iran in the FIFA rankings, right? Yeah, but those rankings, man, like if Belgium are, are number two in the world. They, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, yeah, fair, yeah, but on, still, yeah, you, yeah. Would ex- you, you would have hoped that they... I think there was, the problem is those rankings were right at the time, but they, mm. they're historic. They've become very quickly historic because the physical deterioration of players like Ramsey and Bale, there's just so much, and this is not a judgment, right? There's just so much, you know, because athletes are proud, you know, people. The amount of mileage they've racked up in these conditions, in this heat, mm. against an Iran team that frankly is galvanised after that first game, the humiliation of coming off a 6-2 and they flew out. They played that first game. It felt like almost, I mean, you know, the whole protest going on and them being in the situation they are. There's all that stuff going off off the field and they came on, they looked hungry and not humiliated, but like almost, they looked thirsty for it. And Wales were just blown away by that intensity. You know, you look at it and you think it's a campaign. We say this so often in the Champions League where there's those teams that feels like a round too far. Not just in the physical sense, but the emotional sense. Like this means so much to Wales. And sometimes there was, um, do you remember like Bernard Langer had problems putting? Yeah, yeah the this yips. Is, this is a, yeah, this is a, this is a, this, a few times you've mentioned this on Stadio. So, yeah, but it's so the same thing. This. But he wanted it too much. Yeah. And they, Simon Barnes said that brilliantly in the, in the time. Shout out to the great sports writer, Simon Barnes. And, Wales and Canada are united by the thing where I feel that like they want it too much. And when I say like some of the panic clearances they're making, and it's not that this is not a judgment Wales, it's more like when everything matters, when you haven't had this thing for decades, every clearance matters. And actually, ironically enough, the first goal that they conceded, you could argue it was tired legs, but it was also like slash it clear because when that clearance is made, I think Alan makes the clearance and it goes straight to one of the Iran players. Actually, Alan could have looked up and even just hit a diagonal mm. into touch. But because of that, like almost the pressure building, the pressure building, like Wales could still have got out with a nil-nil. This is the painful yeah, thing. Have, yeah. The sad yeah, thing is, have. the sad thing is with the game management being perfect, it's easy to romanticize, oh, well, that was a long time coming. Actually, no, I disagree with that. I think one player that comes on who doesn't really care too much about the outcome, who plays with a bit of freedom, and I think could come away with a nil-nil. And I was saying, actually, I could see Wales at one point doing a New Zealand and going through, was it not a New Zealand, yeah, yeah. but going, going through with like- Three draws, yeah. But three draws, three draws would have taken, I think, could have taken them through. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's just my view on it. That's yeah, I think view. also Iran had that, that unbelievable moment in the second half where they hit both posts. In the 50th minute. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh my and God. Hennessy makes a good save, actually. Um, but also, I'm not sure if I texted you saying this is the first time it felt like a World Cup to me. That's interesting. This game. And I'm, I might be, there was probably well, in terms, of the, at- in terms of the atmosphere. I think, I think also, of- I think it was because I was watching it in a real like collective. It felt like the, the difference for us this year is that there has, there's not a lot of like outdoor stuff because mm. it's in, it's, it's really, it's really cold in Europe. But, um, so watching it in a, in an actual space with a load of Welsh fans mm. was, I think maybe that played into That's it. That's interesting. So I still haven't watched the World Cup with anyone else. I've been watching yeah. it in my flat basically. And I think, you know, Saudi Argentina, I think watching Saudi Argentina. That actually did as well. Yeah. But also the atmosphere of this game sounded like the best so far, I thought. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. But yeah, two very motivated teams, two teams. Um, and two good goals. <sighs> Excellent goals. Yeah. Like really, Excellent really goals. good goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so congrats to Iran. Commiserations to Wales. We'll see. But this game, this group is fun, man. Yeah, yeah. It is, and um, it's delivered. It's delivered more than I expected, I've got to say. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I'm really looking forward to Iran USA. Holy me shit. Too. Now yeah, Chris is gone. <laughs> <We can talk> <laughs> <about>. <laughs> um, 
Let's do some other games. Let's talk about uh, another game today. Qatar 1, Senegal 3. Uh, that meant that Qatar are out. And um, first host nation to go out after two games. Uh, Mohamed Muntari got Qatar's goal and it looked like they might have pushed a comeback. They were 2-1 uh, They were two one down at that stage and um, but then uh, Dieng got the The painful thing for Senegal. Senegal it's just the absence of Sadio Mane. I don't want to yeah, keep talking about this man, but it's, it's just magic, man. it's just huge you know because then it just everything has affected the intensity the build up and you almost feel like Senegal don't have an extra gear without him and that's not a judgment on them it's just it is what it is, what it is I know? genuinely think it's, it's more seismic than if Argentina were missing Messi Oh God, it's huge. You know yeah, I mean? because yeah, yeah. just of the the kind of load that he carries, all of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think that's a wild take because Argentina. No, 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 like no, no. More, they've no. got more in the squad. More tools. To, yeah, 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 for sure. More playmakers. Yeah. So in that group, Senegal are currently third because uh, Netherlands drew with Ecuador one yes. all. Uh, Cody Gakpo got a lovely goal to open the scoring early on. It looked like the Netherlands might run away with it. Ecuador showed us something. Ecuador Estupinan came with receipts. He did. Valencia, Estupinam was the outstanding player in my opinion. Just so, so good. Brighton must be laughing they got him. Their scouting <laughs> is unbelievable. Of, listen, they're laughing their heads off. They, they saved tens of millions on that man, buying him when they did. Uh, an elite player um, and was so good. I think there was a funny thing going on here where I think there's the, the performance of the, of, the, of the Dutch was typified by Frenkie de Jong coming out from the back mm. where he always thought he had more time than he did. You look at the goal that like Ecuador got, it's actually foreshadowed by something he does in the first half where he basically gets the ball and he tries to do the typical Frank de Jong thing of like turn left and cut right. Turn. He tries it twice. It doesn't work. Then he lays it off. And I'm like, oh, there is not the space playing out from the base that you think there is because they're screening you well. And in the second half, sure enough, the trap was set for him and he fell into it and they, mm. get, their, they get their equaliser. So that's not to single him out because he was a unique problem. It was more that I think that the Netherlands thought they had a touch more than they did against Ecuador. I think for 2-0, I think, and I said this before, because Qatar are poor, I don't think people realised how good the Ecuador win was. 2-0 in the opening game of the tournament and they shut that thing down. They shut the stadium down. They shut the intensity, the atmosphere down. They walked in there. They walked in there, spoiled the party. Very hard thing to do traditionally for a team playing against the host team. Mm. Ecuador is better than the 2-0 gave them credit. And I think the Netherlands will come away from this going, oh, actually, we knew they were good, but they had an extra gear we didn't think they had. Yeah. And it sets up a really exciting final game because you'd expect the Netherlands to beat Qatar and go through. Mm. And then Ecuador and Senegal are essentially playing a playoff. Yeah, that's a hell of a game. Ecuador only need a point. And yeah. that's, you'd have to say that you'd probably... France, Ecuador. Yeah. Um, I mean, Valencia's going to score all the goals for them, isn't he? But still, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, let's talk about uh, Switzerland quickly. Switzerland beating Cameroon 1-0 yeah. on Thursday. Uh, Braylon Bolo getting a goal against the country of his birth. Yeah. And my mum sent me a really sweet text about that. She said like, well, Musa, like, he left his homeland and found a place where he could find another happiness. So, you know, I suppose, why wouldn't he celebrate? And I was like, oh, like, it was just kind of like caught between Aww. when the diaspora, when you're caught between like, you know, the place that you found and the place that you left. It's, it's hard. It's hard. Actually, I feel a bit gutted for Cameroon because they, they showed something again. Anguissa mm. was excellent. Yeah. He's just been lights out for like, what, the last year now? And he was superb. Um, Chupamoting. They've got some really good pieces, Cameroon, but just lacked the extra, I think, the, the extra level. Um, but I think Switzerland had too much. Yeah, Granite right. Chakra, again, finding space as he's been doing all year. And he was impressive. 
I agree um, in that group. Uh, Brazil are top. Mm, they looked good. Well, level on points for Switzerland. Uh, let's talk about Brazil. Now, so there's, something, go on. there's something about Brazil, I have to say. So Brazil beat Serbia 2-0. Mm. Um, Richarlison scored sort of after the hour mark and then like sort of actually quite similar to the goal scoring times that Ronaldo got in the final against South Korea uh, in 2002. The interesting thing about this game is that so Brazil play with Casemiro, Paqueta and Neymar in midfield. Neymar gets injured. He's out for the group stages. Maybe longer, we don't know, but definitely out for the group stages. The rest of the group get. This is not the worst thing for Brazil because I think they have to reconfigure that midfield because they're going to get bigger tests in this. Now, they're not fools. They know what's going on. They created a lot of chances against Serbia and they could have run with it, away with this. This could have been a 4-0 and I'm glad it wasn't a 4-0 because if they had won 4-0, it would have given them the right solution to the wrong problem. A midfield of Casemiro, Paqueta and Neymar will get dominated against a Spain midfield. Whereas if you bring in, as uh, Carl suggested in the chat, actually we talked earlier about Bruno Gamarish, Casemiro, Gamarish, Paqueta is an outstanding midfield and it allows that front three to create free of fear. I don't think the problem for Brazil is actually the centre-back position. I think that actually they've got, with the kind of conditions, the weather and everything, I don't think it's going to be the fastest tournament. I think that midfield, they just sought out that. It was a bit like, and I mentioned to Carl, it was a bit like when they brought in Clevis and Fischinino in 2002 and the midfield became solid. Or a bit like when Rai Oliveira went out and Dunga came in in 1994. Brazil need to solidify that midfield and then they're really going to cook. But in attack, they looked bewildering. They looked absolutely bewildering. I've got to say this, when you have Vinicius, Rodrigo in the mix, um, Neymar is a talismanic player but you're not going to miss him to the same degree because there's other players that will step up. And Richarlison's goal, like the second goal, mm. was... Wow. Have you seen the angle of it from just behind the goal? I, I, yes, and I think the first touch was setting up the bicycle. Yeah, it was. Yeah, of course it was. I think it was, right? Yeah. Because a lot of it was like... But, but he knew exactly what he was going to do. And it's so weird. Like, if you think of someone who's had a bigger story arc than Richarlison, I can't think of one. This is someone who was like, disliked, despised a lot, like in the public eye. Then people saw the political stuff. Then there was the question of, would he go to the World Cup or not? Because it looked like he might not make it. Mm. And it's funny because it, for Spurs, Richarlison is like, he's not an afterthought. I'm not saying that, but he's not the main man. And Richarlison for Brazil is a different animal. He's a different animal. I first saw it in the 2019 Copa America, watching him go through that tournament. And they won that without Neymar. Mm. Neymar was not even in the squad. And the responsibility Richarlison took, it's why I'm so excited for him because he's, he is a fearless footballer. You know? So good, um, man. Yeah, so he's good. so good. I, I mean, I, I, he used to really annoy me as a footballer. Yeah. And I'm like weirdly, considering he's signed for Spurs, mm. I actually have warmed to him more. And I think that's because it's the more I've learned about him. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's still a little bit annoying as an opposition player. But I think yes. in terms of like when, he, when he's playing against your team, for sure. He's like, uh, do you remember <laughs> we were talking about Aronson that time when Arsenal played Leeds and I was just like, oh, this guy, man. And <laughs> the weird thing is that every other game I'm like, I love him. I yes. love him so much. You know? And that's the same thing with Richarlison. Just like, I mean, it's hard not to love him for the off the field stuff. It's amazing. What I love about Richarlison is, again, that, that category of player that will not start it, but they'll finish it. He just has a toughness about him. And I really love yeah, that. Man. And what I love about this as well, the Brazilians that went to Arsenal and Spurs, isn't it funny how they all got exactly the right moves? Mm. Like Richarlison, Arsenal and, and Jesus at Spurs, for what they want doesn't work as well. No. Martinelli actually, while we're mentioning this, he looked good. Yeah. 
I mean, he looked really good when he came on. We love Gabby. Yeah, yeah. Big, so big fans of Gabby. Brazil, look, say, Brazil were my pick, like start of the tournament, and I, I don't change that view. I think they were. They're so impressive, man. The chance creation was, wow, and they 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 created multiple chances from distance. They hit uh, uh, Alexander got one from distance. They had some close in. Casemiro's pass in the base midfield was spectacular. They are, man, they are. Whew. Brazil is special. Let's wrap on Group H before we move on to other stuff quickly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uruguay nil, South Korea nil. Yeah. Only caught the highlights of this game, but it didn't seem like, it seemed like a wild one. I mean, put it this. kind of fun. Fede Valverde basically being sous chef, chef, waiter, doorman, valet parking. Like and just, the evening's <laughs> entertainment. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there's, a, there's a cinema in Berlin where the guy, there's a cinema in Berlin where the guy basically like he works behind the counter and he does the ticket office. Oh my God. It's like the, the equivalent movie of like playing guitar with a bass drum with a cymbal. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I'm going to reserve judgment on those two teams, I think, for now. I think that's right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I watched the... Uh, Portugal Ghana game with the Tifo boys. It was very good. Shout out to the oh, Tifo wow. boys. That was a good game. It was a good game. But. 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 <laughs> Ghana oh. have suffered another cruel injustice in the World Cup. That penalty. That penalty was so wild. The fact that it was. It was. Contemplated. I, yeah. It was never a penalty. No, 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 no. Why has that not been checked? We live because we live in the narrative multiverse. We live in a multiverse where narrative has to happen because I just I saw mean, that thought. The only the only way Ronaldo is scoring in that it's good game good for socials is if he gets yeah. The only way he scores in that game is if he's getting a penalty. There was nothing else he was doing. I mean, he he should have scored. I don't know he should have scored twice in the first half. He should have two very presentable opportunities. Um, one I think put in the net was offside, but the, other, the first one he should have scored when he was through. But at that point of the game, the only threat he was really offering was from the spot. And it was just awful for Ghana. And then obviously like a goal like that psychologically has a big impact. They got, they got an equaliser to be fair to them. But then there was an amazing moment that uh, Governor B pointed out on Twitter where IU is celebrating. I know. Oh my no. gosh, he's celebrating. And the goals are going in. Oh no. And the no. goals are going oh, in. No. And the oh. problem is that Ghana don't, there's, there are teams at World Cups who are like, they don't have more than one or two goals in them. Mm. If it comes down to a shootout, like it, it, they're losing because Portugal always seemed like they had that extra chance in them. I still think their attack is limited by the presence of Ronaldo. I'll always believe that. Overall, yeah, I do. Yeah. I but just think that, you know, again, this is, this we've is said this thing. a thousand this is times. A, like a thousand the Cristiano times. Ronaldo paradox. It's been going on for a long, long time. Like yeah. he's become the first men's player to score in five World Cups. Yeah, huge achievement. And yeah, it's yeah. an amazing achievement. But then also you look at how he did that and it's kind of like you're concerned about Portugal's ability to get through with him in that system unless mm. something like that happens. So it's a really, really strange situation. A three-all draw would not have felt wildly unfair. Mm. The one thing I would say as a criticism of them is they, made, they make too much hard work of these games. Mm. You know, when teams make such an effort of scoring, like... Ghana was scrambling goals and Portugal was scoring at will. I think that was the problem I had really with it. Not, not to knock Ghana, but they just, it was toil for them. Like they were, they were absolutely at capacity. And I think Portugal always had like an extra 20% to give. Yeah, but they were frustrating them until that penalty. And I think they if were, that penalty they were, doesn't happen, were. Portugal 
felt like they were kind of not running out of ideas, but I think I think yeah, that, yeah, that's fair. I that's think they were fair. becoming frustrated that mm. they would have needed to change something a little bit sooner than they did, and I just don't know how that would have played out. To be honest, I'm just gutted for Garners. I'm trying to find reasons because if I accept they were completely robbed, I just feel sad about it. Because I mean, it's they, a long they way were to robbed on yeah. that penalty. They were, they were. Uh, so that's the World Cup. Don't forget to check Wrighty's House with Carl Anker and Florence Lloyd Hughes up Saturday lunchtime-ish. They're going to do a lot of England chat. But before we go, quick shout for the Women's Champions League, which took place this week. Arsenal drawing one all in Turin against mm. Juventus. Uh, Viv Miedema equalising and cancelling out a Lineth Berenstein goal uh, that happened just 10 minutes before. Nice. It was it was a tight game, but I think that's a pretty good point for Arsenal because yeah, they um they stay top of that group. Um, Leon, I love Berenstein at Bayern. I'm sad to see her go actually. Yeah, to me too. I really liked um, she's, she's, well. she's playing really well. Like Leon, Leon beating Zurich three 0 means that Arsenal are still top of that group. Juve are second. Uh, Leon are third. Uh, Arsenal face Juventus at the Emirates Stadium the week after next. God, Leon Zurich, the fine dining derby. Look at that. Oh Look at goodness. you talking sorry, about sorry. food again. Sorry, sorry. The rest of the results, uh, Benfica beating Rosen, uh, Rosengård 1-0 and Barcelona beating Bayern 3-0 at Camp Nou. We have to talk about Claudio Pina's goal A banger. because it was absolutely unbelievable oh I cannot stop watching this goal over and over again oh my God. it is incredible because it starts off like you're thinking alright here we go this is going to be one of those like you know the ones that has the pass counter in the bottom corner yeah 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 and it's just going to ding 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 and you think it's going to they're going to get all the way back and then they're going to, it's going to be a nice kind of like take the ball pass the ball take the ball pass the ball and then Pina's just like do you know what we don't need nah, to do we don't need to, what are we doing I'm just going to ping this <laughs> Absolutely smoked it. it Absolutely is an smoked unbelievable it. Unbelievable goal. <laughs> I think wild. I genuinely think that's going to take some beating for Stadio goal of the year. Well, it's wild because the same day it came as it is the Richarlison goal. It did. Which in Maybe context, have... in context, those two, <gasps> those two are front runners at this point. Maybe we could have the top three Stadio goals of the year with two of them coming on the same day. That's very possible. I think that it goes alongside the, it goes alongside the uh, the Richarlison goal. They're in the same category. Um, for for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about and have only started listening to Stadio this year, our final show of each year is an episode called The Stadios. Yes. Which are our end of year awards. The that awards have, that no one asked for. But you're sure as hell going to get it. <laughs> you're going to get them. Yeah, whether you want it or not, you're going to exactly. get the awards. They'll be on the feed whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you're going to have to unsubscribe. Exactly. <laughs> Please don't unsubscribe. <laughs> what am I talking about? Oh my God. God. <laughs> anyway, good shout for goal of the year. Commanding win for Barca. Quick shout for Reading and Liverpool drawing 3-0 in the WSL. Point that didn't really do either of them any good. But don't forget, you know, women's football and lower league men's football is still going on through this World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want all the latest lowdown, lowdown or flow down? I should say flow down, really. The flow down for sure. Check Counterpressed on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Florence Lloyd Hughes. Doing some serious work. Loving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second episode will be up on Monday, I believe. So go and find it on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe and check it out. Um, anything you want to add, Moose, going on before we get out of here? Nah, it's all good. It's okay, all I'm going to ask you in a minute because I always do this. <laughs> anyway, uh, don't forget to check Wright's House up on Saturday, counterpressed on Monday. Check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Uh, if you do like what we do on Stadio and you listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very kind. 
Uh, we'll be back on Sunday night. And don't forget to check the Stadio Actors players on Spotify. Speaking of which, football, soccer, just call it what you want. And on that note, we're going to play out on a tune called You Just Be You. Whether it's oh, soccer, lovely whether sentiment. it's football, you just be you. Absolutely. By Into New Dimensions. And you can find it on the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Just search for Stadio Outros. Anything you want to add, Mr. Conga? Nothing further. Much love, everyone. Stay safe. Stay well. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back with you Sunday night, UK time. See you then. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, 
Start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.